Hello everyone and welcome back. As always, I'm your girl Candy Washington and before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to quickly say that there were some technical issues with this recording. So if anything repeats itself or there are any gaps, I was unable to edit them. But I want to say thank you in advance for your grace and your compassion with our tech issues. And I promise you the conversation that I have with Dr. Andrew Hahn, it is worth it. So please enjoy and thank you. As always, I am your host. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back. As always, I am your host, Candy Washington, and I cannot wait to help you lead a more joyful life here on the Sugar Pills Practical Guide to Self-Care podcast. But before we dive into today's episode, which will be a very inspiring and healing conversation with Dr. Andrew Hahn, Be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube, and also be sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening to the podcast on one of our podcast platforms. Don't forget to check out the description box and the show notes where you can get coaching, courses, our free goodies, shop the merch, and learn more about everything we're talking about today. And also be sure to share this. Share this episode, share this podcast, share this video with anyone that you think might need it and might be of value to you because your journey to self-love and self-worth is always better with a little bit of support. So with that, let's say hello to Dr. Andrew Hahn. So Dr. Andrew Hahn is one of the founders of the Life-Centered Therapy Institute. It is a trauma-informed training institute that teaches clinicians how to help clients heal from the effects of trauma, using the wisdom of their bodies. He's also the author of the breakthrough book, The One Hour Miracle, and he also hosts his own podcast, Guided Self-Healing and Fearless Living. So welcome, Dr. Andrew Hahn. We are so excited to have you. Well, it's my total pleasure really to be here, and that was a lovely (laughs) introduction, Candy. So thanks a lot. Absolutely. So do you want to tell everyone who's watching and who's listening a little bit about, you know, how did you come to founding, you know, the Life Centered Therapy Institute and what it means to you and what's really is the purpose and the passion behind it and a little bit about your story? Sure. Well, my story is that I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and I have sort of very diverse clinical training. And after I got my doctorate, I uh, became a professor in a graduate program, and I became the training director in a clinic, and I was going along. But I've always had some fairly unusual experiences, and um, I had one that was kind of life-changing, which is that I had gone and visited a friend. And the day before I visited her, she had fallen and had hurt herself very badly. She had hurt her ankle very badly. And uh, she had gone she was the fourth highest person in the un she was the head of all non-governmental organizations and she just left to go on spiritual retreat and i knew i had to visit her so i did and i went out to visit her in a place called encinitas where there's a a ashram called the self-realization fellowship and she wanted to take me all around so even though she had fallen and she was in a lot of pain we went to this beautiful heart opening service that was chanting for an hour and a half and then we were walking around the grounds of the fellowship, which is like heaven on earth in this country. If you've never been there, I highly recommend going. It's, it's an extraordinary place. Yeah. And when we're walking around, she 
says to me, we get to these two benches and she says, you're going to have to carry me out of here. I'm in so much pain. Um, so I helped her sit on one of the benches and I went and sat in a very strange place, having looked back at it, which is at the end of the other bench. But in order to get there, I had to walk around like a lot of bushes and sort of go through some bushes to get there. And the second I sat down, I was flooded with light. I mean, it's hard to describe. I knew it wasn't the sun because I knew where the sun was. And this was much more overhead. And I just had her put her ankle on my leg and um, I just started channeling this light from my hands to her ankle without touching her. At which point she said, uh, you know, I can read auras, don't you? And I oh, said, wow. Roshan. I said, Roshan, I'm a nice Jewish boy from Boston. This is now 30, 31 years ago. So probably, you know, a long, a long time ago and longer in your life than even mine, but this was like 1991. And so she says, you know, I can read auras. And you, she said, are you aware that there's pure light going through the crown of your head into the center of your chest and out your hands to my ankle? And I said, I can't see it the way that you're talking about, but I know that it's true. And that took about 15 seconds and I had stopped doing this, this channeling. And then we looked down and there was, her ankle had been very swollen and totally discolored. There was no swelling. There was no discoloration. She got up. There was no pain. She walked out of there. And I sort of said, we're not in Kansas anymore, even though I'd had experiences kind of like that. I'd never had anything yeah. like that. So that led me to a two-year search to discover everything I could about what happened. And I went and studied all kinds of interesting mystery trainings and healing through touch trainings and uh, all kinds of things about depth psychology and energy and spirituality and I was already interested in those things, but I sort of went on an intensive journey. Yeah. And then two years later, which I didn't know was what was going to happen, I ran into an acquaintance and she said, there's this woman who's doing miracles in New Jersey. You have to find her. <laughs> and I said, I'll believe in miracles any place. And she said, she, what she told me was this woman whose name was Judith. Uh -huh. a session and Judith did a session with a woman who had such a bad case of asthma. I was told she could barely walk up the stairs. She was breathing wheezing so badly and judith did this session using something called applied kinesiology or muscle testing which i had never heard of i don't know if yeah. you've heard of it but no <laughs> i won't worry about it if you like it's a way of accessing your soul through your body basically okay and so she asked this whole series of questions and then she had this woman tap all over her body while she was telling a story and then she used muscle testing and basically the way you use muscle testing is you ask your body to be a means of communication essentially for your soul and if you're if you press on your arm for example if I had you hold your arm out and the answer was yes I could literally sit on your arm and I'm a lot bigger than you are and your arm might fatigue but it would stay really strong but if the answer was no to a question uh I could press very lightly with one finger and you could be the biggest weight builder in the world weightlifter in the world and your arm would go down so okay. it's like your arm becomes like a, a psycho-spiritual truth teller and you can ask mm -hmm. anything you like. So she's asking all these questions and she has this woman tap all over the body. And then it says her asthma's cleared. So she says to this woman, why don't you go outside and start walking? And so she mm -hmm. goes outside and starts walking. And then she starts running, I'm told. And she comes back and she's exhausted and exhilarated. She said, I've been able to run a step in seven years. And that's wow. a story I was told. So I then found out where Judith was and I found out what Judith was doing. And Judith and I became collaborators. And she taught me about muscle testing and certain things about energy psychology. And I taught her a lot of other things. 
And that was how this thing worked. And the story I told you about the woman with asthma kind of pales in comparison to some things I've experienced and witnessed after, but that was 30 years ago. And I've been doing it ever since. And I've seen things that are truly miraculous, particularly if you know that miracles are just becoming, as you know, freer to be who you are. <laughs> stuck, right? That's a true miracle. But I've yeah. seen things that like, if I've seen things that are kind of biblical. Right. Like, you know, so my story. Yeah. Did you ever decide or or sort of discern where did the light come from? What was the source of the light? What was the source of the energy? I think it was whatever you think is source. I think it was just whatever you find. It was like life. Like like what well, you know, if you think about it, who are we? Mm -hmm. All of us are pure energy. That's who we are. And we just forget. So you could say you have moments of grace where life reveals is like revelation and you find out something about what is a deeper knowing, a deeper truth. And I would say that that energy was whatever you want to call that. And you can call it anything that you like, depending on your belief structures. Right. Like some people would call it, you know, love. Some people would call it, you know, universal consciousness some people would call it god some people would call it angels some people would call call it the universe so there's no there's nothing that you subscribe it to you're just whatever you consider personally source is what you're saying the source of the the light and energy was yes that's what i said okay and then what do you think is the difference if there is one between you know, using the light, using the energy for healing purposes with um, Reiki or the Reiki practice, where they also use different energy, different sources as a part of their healing practices when they're working on, on people. So they also kind of say that they're sort of like the conduit, right? Like you were the conduit, like there was like the light, it was like the healing energy, it worked through you in order to heal your friend. Mm -hmm. And I, so is there a difference between that experience and Reiki or do you feel like that's very similar in, in the experience that you had? Well, one of the things I study, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Reiki practitioner and I'm a Joe Ray practitioner, which is okay. a feeling of, a, they two energies feel different. And I'd say that all of the things Reiki and Joe Ray and what I experienced are all like first cousins, let's say. Um, yeah. But that's not how I work now. I would say what that energy is what we call life force, whatever you want to call okay. it. So it's called chi if you're in China or ki if you're in Japan or it's called prana or it's called shakti. But basically what it is, is it's the vibration that is the highest vibration in this universe, I would say, is that life, whatever you want to call it. And it goes by different names. Okay. I love it. And and how do you use this practice and also what you do at, you know, the life-centered institution to help with like PTSD and depression and anxiety, sort of more of the emotional and mental traumas that we have rather than more of the physical ailments as like the asthma or the, the hurt ankle? I'm going to tell you what I believe about that. Okay. I don't care what you're suffering about. It could be physical, like chronic pain or autoimmune disease. It could be mental, like anxiety. It could be emotional, like depression. It could be the same bad relationship you get into over and over, <laughs> and over again. It could be a sense of alienation. And if you're suffering, I think it's only one thing. I think everything is PTSD. 
as long as you know what PTSD means. Now, my definition of PTSD and the typical definition aren't the same. Okay. Trauma is simply something that a, a, a being can't take in stride and handle and integrate. That's it. If you can take it in stride, you won't be traumatized. If you can't, you are. And anytime you can't take something in stride, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be too bad. It can be too good. It can be too much. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Whenever that happens, you lose all perspective. And so I think there's only one reason people come to healers, okay. which is that there's something, something that couldn't be handled. I think healing is very easy to say what it is, which is simply mastering what couldn't be handled. And I think you could, you could teach it to a smart toddler. Okay. This, when something can't be handled, in that moment, a discomfort is born. And it's a living being. It's not your discomfort any more than you're my, you know, you're my person. I, you're not my person. You're your own person. And mm -hmm. it's not, you, so let's say you have a panic attack, right? A motorcycle backfires in your head. Okay. okay. And uh, I say, okay, so. I think something's happening with your sound. You're a little muffled now. There you go. There I go. Well, that was good. There you go. Everything yeah. Everything's easy, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, so let's say you have a panic attack and I say, what's happening in the body? And you say, oh, my heart's pounding fast. But I'm going to say something funny to you. Okay. Let's say you're not having a panic attack, Andy. It is uh, heart pumping fast, is having a panic attack. Your little toe is fine, so it isn't you. Okay. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna choose to become heart pounding fast, that's your new name. And the second you choose to do it, something extraordinary happens, which is you go from unconsciously being identified with whoever that is, to being consciously identified with the one choosing to become heart pounding fast, and then you're going to bear witness and hold whoever that is or whatever that is. And the second that happens, you're no longer unconsciously identified with it. So let's make it simple. Let's say you say, oh, my God, bombs are going off all around me and I can't handle it and I'm going to die, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. Except now there's one thing that's different, which is you've chosen to become that person who in this case would be a soldier in Afghanistan who you were 20 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm but you've lost all perspective the second you can't handle it. So you, that soldier is still here and he's, a, he's here all the time waiting for you to remember him. So the thing that is the thing that you're suffering about actually makes your life kind of stink, but it's also a clue to the thing that couldn't be remembered. In this case, it's an obvious direct correlation, right? Loud sounds going off that sound like a bomb and suddenly you're back being that soldier. And all you have to do in order to heal is choose to be that soldier in a way that an actor would choose to be a character in a play. And the second you choose to be them, you no longer unconsciously identify with them. You consciously identify with the one who's choosing to be them in the same way that an actor would say, I'm gonna become a part in a play or a movie, or an author would say, I'm gonna write a character into a novel and I may fully immerse myself and enroll myself in them, but I'm not them. They're just an experience I'm having. And it's the same thing with trauma. And the second that happens, you're free. 
so that the next time what happens is something that has been dismembered and has taken on a life of its own and will keep bringing back to you experiences because it acts kind of like a magnet because mm-hmm. it wants to be healed, right? It yeah. be healed. So it will keep, you will then unconsciously create it over and over and over again. But really what you're trying to do, it's like you're in a classroom and something you couldn't handle something. So life says, we'll, we'll give you, let you take the test, so to speak, over and over and over again until you can master it. Yeah, I think you're, the the audio is kind of it's good again. It did. We can't have to talk to that audio. Yeah, maybe just l- 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 leave it alone. <laughs> I'm gonna leave the audio alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> I'm gonna make it better. We're gonna see if this makes it better. Uh oh, did I lose you? Hmm. Okay, well, while we wait, oh, there you are. You're back. I'm back. Okay, so good. So we're going to have a space. So, it's all good. It's fine. It's it's totally fine. My audience are uh, very compassionate people. What so some mean? things that I heard you were saying was when it comes to trauma, it really becomes its own entity. It's its own being. It's not you. It's separate from you. But the problem is when we identify with it as it being ourselves. And the way in which you heal the trauma is when you disempower it and you empower yourself. So rather than this is happening to me, I am experiencing this. It's I am choosing to experience this. This is not who I am. This is just what I'm choosing to experience in this moment, it's detached from me. It's what's going on. The heart is beating, the bombs are going off and you're basically bearing witness to whatever that pain was, whatever that discomfort was, whatever that fear was. Like we talked about miracles earlier and I think it's uh, Marion Williamson. I, I love her definition, right? It's like a miracle is just when you go from fear to love. Right. So rather than like fearing whatever this entity is, what this trauma is, you, you kind of are able to experience through the lens of I'm empowered. I'm not of it. I'm witnessing it mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it because that's the healing process. Like I'm going to love those scary bits. I'm going to love the hurt bits. I'm going to love the sad bits, the disappointed bits, the broken bits. I'm going to love them. And when you love them, you heal them. And then they no longer have the power to continuously sabotage your life, which is what you're talking about. Cause they're going to, it's like a little kid. I'm going to keep throwing things at you until you look at me, until you acknowledge me. I'm going to keep crying until you change my diaper. I'm going to keep crying until you feed me. I'm going to keep crying until you come over here and hug me and soothe me, right? So that's basically what what it's doing. Um, So all I want to say to you is every discomfort you have in your body is like that. And everything that you can't handle, which is what suffering is, will have an associated discomfort. And as you say, all you have to do is choose to become it so you're no longer judging it. You're saying, I am you by choice. But it's not like I'm 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 you by choice, but you're something I'm experiencing. You're not Yeah, one, yeah. I'm, it's more I like I I am I am experiencing you. I, it's not right. I am, yeah, it's not I am you. It's like I am experiencing, experiencing this. Right. I'm not going to internalize it as I am the sadness, I right. am the suffering, I am the trauma. Exactly. It's no, I'm me, I'm my higher self who's experiencing this therefore I have the power to give it meaning because I think that's really what it is it's 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 empowering yourself 
to define what this trauma means to you. Because our brains always want to tell a story and our brains always want to have meaning to something because our brains are just trying to keep us safe. They're trying to keep us safe. They're trying to keep us alive. So it has to tell a story and it has to have a meaning. And mindfulness and, and, and consciousness is saying, well, my higher self actually has the power to define what the meaning is. And if I'm able to give it a loving meaning and empowering meaning, then I'm able to heal it, you know? Also, I wanted to know, what is your definition of in stride? So you're saying if you're not able to take something in stride, what does in stride mean? Because that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. I think you could take things in stride in unhealthy ways, and you could also take things in stride in healthy ways. So kind of what is your definition of in stride and, how, and what are some of the healthy ways to take things that we find discomforting and traumatizing in stride. Like we know already to, you know, look at it, acknowledge it, love it, redefine the meaning, but there are there any other tangible things that we can do to take those moments of trauma um, in stride? Well, what I would say in stride is if you can just accept what is without judgment, without comparison, without compulsion, without anxiety, you just say, this is what is including the changes that will naturally happen if I can just be with what is. So I'll give you, I'll give you, mm-hmm. I'll give you the most classic example, right? Yeah. Which is Jesus. Right before Jesus is crucified, he's screaming at his father. He's screaming, why, why are you doing this to me? Right? <laughs> why have you forsaken me? He yeah. knows what's going to happen. And you could say as an exemplar, he's not taking it in stride. He's very upset. All right. Then something happens and he says, I can handle anything. They can crucify what they look, they think they're crucifying me. They can kill my body, but they can't do anything to me. So there's nothing, I might be sad about it because I'll miss the people around me, but there's nothing they can do to me. So he says, I give my soul over to you. He's no longer screaming. He's not anxious. He's not saying, why are you doing this to me and not to anybody else? He's not comparing (laughs) himself. He's not compulsively saying, I need to know. He's just saying, I can just say, I can accept this. I can accept anything. And there's nothing to be, there's nothing, as you say, there's nothing to be afraid of because I'm not, they're not doing something to me. I'm the one who's always just the one who's here bearing witness. I'm a verb. I don't identify with anything. If you don't identify with anything, nothing can happen to you because there is no you anyway. Yeah, it's like- it's like the becoming no one, right? You become, um, yeah, it's becoming no one. Right. So four things came up to, came up for me when you were talking about in stride. The first one is it's, it's the power of equanimity, right? Where something happens and you're not, there's no judgment attached. It's not good or bad. It just is, you know, it's equanimity. Like this happened. Okay. Not good or bad. It's, we're not doing extremes here. It's just, it is what it is. And we're accepting that it is. We're not going to attach to it. We're not going to give it some type of, you know, big, scary meaning that this is what it means. It's just equanimity. It is what it is. And then the second component uh, is resiliency, right? Where you're saying, okay, this thing happened. Maybe I don't like it, but you know what? I'm going to be able to get through it. You know, I, I can't find a way over it or under it, around it but you know what, I'm going to be able to get through it. And if I just do one step at a time, I'm going to wake up one day and it's going to be over. I'm going to be better for it. Like this thing 
is not going to destroy me. It's not going to end me. I don't like it. I'm allowed not to like it. I'm a divine being having a human experience. A part of my human experience is authenticity. And if I'm being authentic, I don't like it. And that's okay. You can still get through it. You're still resilient. And then the third component is divine support, right? Like you said, he's like, you know what? I'm not in this by myself. I'm going to hand it over to God. I'm in God's hands. I'm supported. You know, I'm divinely protected. Like one thing I do in the morning when I wake up, the first thing out of my mouth is thank you, God. And then I say, thank you for your divine protection, your divine support and your divine guidance. So you know that you're not in it alone. You don't have to carry the burden. You don't even have to get through it by yourself. You have something so divine, so loving, so powerful that literally doesn't just have your back, but it has your front and it's with you and you've got this, right? And then the fourth component, which is kind of like knowing that you're divinely supported is is the surrender aspect that you're talking about, right? Where it's like, I'm just gonna surrender this because I know that control is an illusion. I can't control other people. I can't control events. I can barely control myself. So the fact of me holding so tightly onto the illusion that I can control anything is only suffering. It's only sabotaging me. You know, the illusion that I can control anyone outside of myself, but I'm barely controlling myself right now, you know? So it's that surrender of, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. I don't have control. I'm accepting that and I'm going to let it go. And it's okay to let it go because I'm divinely supported. I'm resilient. I will get through this. And I define the meaning to it. I have the power of equanimity. I can say, this doesn't have to mean that. It doesn't mean that. I can just let it be neutral. So it no longer triggers or activates me because it's neutralized. So I love that. I love Um, what you said. Yeah, I, I love that's what came up for me when, when you were talking about it. So do you want to talk a little bit about the One Hour Miracle, your, your book? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to say and there's not a ton of time. But what I guess <laughs> I would say is I've already said what I think is most important. If I wanted your audience to know one thing, which it's just a technology to do what you said, essentially, right? Which is the way you can do it is to find the sensation and to say, I will be with you. You are your own living being and I will be with you. You're not Mm -hmm. my stomachache, your stomachache. And if I can choose to say, I'm here with you, it will share its story and you'll say, oh my goodness, that's your story. Mm Because then then we come to some understanding or as you say, we like meaning. And the meaning informs everything in your life. You'll say, oh my goodness, that makes sense of things that made no sense to me. Right? Mm -hmm because it all gets unfolded into whatever that narrative is. And the narrative could be anything from, it could be anything. And you could have many, many, many seemingly separate symptoms. If it's all folded into one narrative that couldn't be held, you can get things that look biblical. I mean, like you can get <laughs> chronic pain that no one understood why it was there for years going away in 20 minutes. You could get- And then it's- It just, and it all goes. Cause if it's all folded in anything that can't be handled, Will show up as a symptom and if they're all if they're all folded into the same story right, mm-hmm. right? i mean i'll give you a different example let's yeah. suppose the same person comes in with the with the uh reactions to loud sounds okay okay but this time i find out that's not the problem that's a symptom of a deeper problem and 100%. i find that the, deep, the deeper problem is betrayal which i could tell you i find that out. i can do that very fast okay. and his real problem is betrayal 
And so when I have him focus on betrayal, for example, right, instead of just having heart pounding fast, he may have heart pounding fast, but he says, suddenly I have this very strange pain in my foot. In fact, I've had chronic foot pain that nobody understands and it's hurting right now, plus my throat's closing up. So I'm gonna say, okay, all right, I'm gonna say, here's what's gonna happen now. Whoever's here who has to share something about betrayal, their heart's pounding fast, but really their name is heart pounding fast, pain in foot and throat closing up. That's their name, which is now gonna be your name. So what happens is you now drop into all of that and you say, this is really weird. I'll make it, I'll make it even more fun. I'm wearing this really strange uniform. I'm in World War I and this time I'm not the soldier, okay? But this time I am a leader of soldiers and I'm walking them and I'm not paying enough attention and I walk them into an ambush and suddenly bombs are falling out of the sky and I'm watching them die and get injured and I'm feeling like I've just betrayed all of these men, okay? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel so ashamed of it. Plus, I don't want to look like I wasn't the, something that I led them into it. So I take out my gun and I shoot myself in the foot, hoping that they'll think that I get injured also. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, I never want to be a leader again. Okay. Mm. Yeah. That person comes in and he has this reaction, loud sound. But when I have him focus on this thing, suddenly he says, you know what? I wasn't paying enough attention. I walked them into this terrible thing. If I only paid more attention, if I only paid more attention, you know, the sky wouldn't have fallen. And, and now, now let me tell you about this man. Okay. He has OCD uh -huh. and he says, I have this strange, I'm, I'm really insecure because something terrible is going to happen and the sky is going to fall on me. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And then he says, you know, I have this chronic foot pain because I dropped something on my foot, but no one understands seven years later why I'm still having the pain, but I'm still limping. Okay. Mm. And okay. okay. Yeah. And he says, I have this ADHD, I have attention deficit disorder, and like I get distracted. And for some reason, I have this strange guilt about it. And every time I want to be a leader, I shoot myself in the foot. And he literally says that, okay? Wow. Now, let us suppose we have a practice that he can make amends to the souls of those soldiers. And let us suppose the only reason he has these reactions to loud sounds and his OCD, which is the sky is falling, because right. I literally is falling, right? Right. And and like if you, if I don't pay enough, and he says, you know, whenever I'm going to be a leader, I shoot myself in the foot, and I have chronic foot pain because something fell on my foot, and it makes no sense, and it all goes away in 20 minutes, and it will if those are the only reasons, because they're all informing him about something that couldn't be handled. In this case, that yeah. he was a leader of soldiers in World War One, walking them into an ambush. So you could say all of life is an invitation to remembering what it was that couldn't be taken in stride, literally and figuratively in this case, because after that, he can't walk, of course, so he can't take yeah. anything in stride, right? Yeah. And suddenly you take care of that and he says, oh my gosh, this makes no sense, but like, I don't have OCD anymore. And my ADHD, like I can focus when I want to focus. And my, my chronic foot pain that I've been to all these specialists for, it all goes away, right? And I no longer shoot myself in the foot when I have this leadership <laughs> opportunity. And the next time the, the loud sound goes off, I would say, oh my goodness, this was about some other person altogether who was leading a group of soldiers. And I'll tell you something else that's weird. Which okay. Is his PTSD from the fact that he was a soldier a hundred years later in Afghanistan, it goes away without you ever even looking at it because it was just on the line of what happened to whoever that was, however you want to understand it, in World War One. 
So you could work on that forever, but it's just an echo of something that happened from some other place, however you want to understand it, and without ever touching it or doing anything like emotional freedom technique or all kinds of things that people would do for his reactivity to loud sounds, it will just go away all by itself because it was just an echo. Okay, so just so I'm clear, the, the example of the guy with the foot, you're saying he wasn't actually the soldier or he was actually the soldier? Well, I would say in another lifetime, if you believe in reincarnation. Oh, in another lifetime. Okay, I, I was just like, wait World a minute. World War I, yeah. Okay. He was another, he was a leader of soldiers in World War I in 1918, okay? Got it, okay. He's to resolve that. So when he comes into this lifetime, Okay. Logically, unconsciously, he creates, he co-creates unconsciously an opportunity to remember it by going into a war and having bombs go off near him so he would know what it was like for those soldiers. Now, of course, he, yeah, would, right. he right. would think the whole thing was big fate, but I would say it's not fate, it's destiny. On one level, you co-created that unconsciously so you could know what it was like for those soldiers a hundred years ago, but if you could take care of that suddenly... Who you were 20 years ago will all be taken care of because nothing yeah. actually happened to him that was any different because it all crystallized a hundred years ago in World okay. One. Yeah, I'm not, I, I see what you're saying. And, and, and a couple of things come up for me, but I'll I'll talk more about it if from the perspective of a person in their particular life have experienced the trauma. Like I get that your example is talking about a past life and it's crystallizing now in their current life. But I think what you said actually has a lot of great uh, kernels of wisdom and, and nuggets and advice for people who may have experienced something that's, you know, maybe going on in their, in their current life cycle, if you want to call it that. So I think a couple of things came up that I think are really great. One is like a lot of like the shadow work, like looking at the parts of you that are the dark parts, the, the, part, the parts that's judgmental, the parts that's sloppy, the parts that, you know, is critical, the parts that you just don't like about yourself. Mm -hmm. And really, like we said, holding those parts of yourself with acceptance and compassion and grace mm -hmm. so that there's not friction, internal friction between you know, the light side of you and the shadow side of you, where you can be a cohesive person who naturally has both light and shadow and both are okay. You're allowed to have all of the spectrum of what it is to be a human being. And the essence of being a human being is that there is light and shadow and the discomfort and the disconnect and the friction and the internal conflict is when you are trying to numb and abandon and and tune out a part of you that is intrinsically a part of you that's inherently a part of you and that's where your internal conflict comes from that's why you can't accept yourself and love yourself because you're not loving yourself holistically and then the second part that came up when you were talking it's really about the inner child work right like like holding space for that inner child that person that that version of you when you were younger and you had these like big scary trauma moments or those little trauma moments that still totally. you know you know there's big trauma and there's little trauma everything isn't always the big bad salacious things sometimes it's mom forgot me at school one day and now i feel the fear of abandonment you know yeah. or you know i think that mom likes my brother more than me and now i'm always looking for people to validate me right mm -hmm. so it's like holding space for your inner child and saying i got you now 
you're safe. You know, it was, you don't have to run the show. My little six-year-old brain, like my adult brain is going to run the show now. Mm -hmm. And I have you, I'm the adult, I'm the parent. I got you, sweetheart. You're good. You can relax. You can rest. And then the third part, um, really that you were talking about brought up to me was like, you know, mindfulness of our thoughts, you know, like, why do I think what I think? And does it mean what it means? Like when you're talking about the guy who's like OCD and he has all this stuff and all in his mind is like rambling, he can't focus and da, 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 da. And he has all these beliefs about himself. But what am I actually thinking? Why do I actually think it? Is it true? And most importantly, does it have to be true? Right. And can I choose, like we said before, can I choose to give something a different meaning or a different truth? Like, can I not focus? Is that actually true? Does it have to be true? Or can I choose something else to be true? Can I give this a different meaning? Can I, can I empower myself with it? You know, through mindfulness, being curious about my thoughts, being curious about who I am, and then choosing to think differently and when you think differently as we all know you become a different person you know our thoughts are so powerful right but the right thing i totally agree with you except for one thing sure let's suppose that guy's in my office right okay and the motorcycle backfires and he has a panic attack okay you can say rationally there's no reason for me to have that panic attack but trauma trumps belief because it's like you're a holistic person and the beliefs come out of your experience. So, and what I want to say to you is every belief makes sense. All you have to understand is the sense that it makes. The only thing I'd say about what you say about inner child stuff is I agree with you, except it's kind of archetypal in nature. And I'll tell you why mm-hmm. I think it's true, but there's more to it, which of is- Of course, I, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I think you want to open to everything and not just the kinds of things we're talking about what you yeah. typically talk about. And I'll give you a really like heinous example, okay? Oh, okay. I saw a woman who had documented, and she'd been in really good therapy for about 15 years, mm-hmm. documented ritual abuse, okay? Like yeah. anything you can think that's horrendous, she experienced, and it was okay. documented. She was forced to kill people. She Oof. watched people get dismembered. She Whoa. all of these things. She had been in really good therapy, for a long time. Now you could say there's a lot of stuff going on with her as an inner child that has to do with violence, neglect and all kinds of things, okay? So I do my kind of determining what's going on and I say to her, and she was very high up and like, I have great respect for what she was able to accomplish, okay? Yeah. Okay, now I found out something for her. She said, I must've missed something in the ritual abuse because I'm still having a lot of symptoms, okay? Now, I do my diagnostic and I say, let's open to all of life. Now, I'm going to tell you something the diagnostic is suggesting, which is the reason you haven't healed all that stuff happened when you were a toddler is that it was actually an echo of something worse Mm. for her was unfathomable. Okay. now you can believe whatever you're going to believe about what I'm about to tell you. I found out that. Wait, 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 one second. Just just for clarity. You said it happened to her as a toddler. Now, are you talking about this woman? Are you talking about this happened to her in her current life or this happened to her in her past life? Just to be clear. In her current life, she had documented ritual abuse and horrific, like there was a cult that she was a part of. Okay, in her her current life. Okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Very young when she was like, from the time she was born through her childhood, Mm -hmm. 
much of which she had forgotten before she did like 15 years of therapy, okay? But she said, I'm still having symptoms, so there must be something I'm missing about what happened in my childhood. So I said, okay. find that out. I will ask, I will have your body be a means of communication for soul, and we'll ask if there's something you're missing. It said, no. It said something happened in another lifetime that okay. is worse than the ritual abuse in this lifetime. Okay? Wow. That was a wow for her too. She couldn't believe it. Yeah. But she went back into another lifetime and I will tell you what happened to her. And uh, it's pretty horrific what happened. Okay. And you can believe anything you want about this. And it says nothing about a belief about abortion. But she was in this other lifetime and suddenly she was a fetus in a womb. Okay. And she was aborted in the most horrific way mm. while not being killed mm. in the most sadistic way you could imagine. Literally that they started pulling her limbs off from each other while she was alive. Oh, no. And she took care of that fetus. And the second she took care of the fetus, all of the symptoms that she was sure was associated with, you could say, her inner child problems from this lifetime, they went mm -hmm. away in one second and they didn't come back. So I would say... What we have to know is life reveals to us things in all kinds of ways. And I'd say, if you can open to every possibility that you could ever imagine of mm -hmm. what the problem could be and what the resolution could be, you'll find answers that if you just stay in any limitation, you will not necessarily find. And I can mm -hmm. tell you, she looked for 15 years with really good therapy and she couldn't find it. And the reason she couldn't find it was even some of what happened in the most horrific thing you're ever going to know, I have two cases that were equally horrific. Right. And the other one is even, is totally in this lifetime, but an even stranger thing that happened, if you want to hear a really strange story. So the thing is, if you won't, it's the things that we don't think could possibly be what the problem is. Yeah. You say, that can't be it, or that's crazy. And I will tell you, in my experience, nothing is crazy and anything can resolve a problem. If, but, you know yeah um, what, what 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 i was um i'll finish what i was saying before and then i'll pop into that i was also saying how um you know being able and it, and it also kind of goes into the story you told i think it's being able to to point to something either physical or you know i don't know what the correct word is for a past life i don't know i don't know what that is metaphysical or spiritual i'm not sure but I think just being able to point to something that you can say, this is it mm -hmm. for, for your pain, mm -hmm. for your mental, emotional, and spiritual pain. That's why some, sometimes people are, you know, psychosomatic, you know, they will say, this is happening to me, or this is whatever, whether they're creating it themselves, or it's just coming out of something, you know, people will break out in hives or rashes or their hair fall out or they get bumps places, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really just whatever that mental, emotional, spiritual trauma is, is physically manifesting so that the person can actually cope and say oh this is what it is this is what's trying to come out it's a way for them to conceptualize what's actually going on inside of them right. um and i think the core of 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 all of it right like everything that we're talking about it's really self-forgiveness is, is is really at the core like even this like horrific situation with this woman it seems like you know regardless if you believe a past lives or not you know it seems that 
she was able to say, well, well, you know, I know, I know it wasn't my fault. She can say that rationally in her mind. Right. right. But to actually emotionally and spiritually and mentally understand and digest on those levels, you, you still sometimes thinks it's your fault. You still think that you did something and, 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 it, and it's wrong for you. So what came up for me talking about that woman is that she was really stru- struggling with with self-forgiveness. Like we get it. She's in the cult. We get it. She was a child. We get it. Other people made her do this. But like anytime somebody is abused, the first person they blame is themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that her being able to say, well, you know what? Actually it was, I was tortured as a fetus and this is what happened. It's a way for her to, uh, to understand that, well, no, like this is what happens to me. She can put it over there. And so that's why this happened in this life it's almost a way to attach from feeling responsible for it. It's a way to detach from feeling that it's your fault. And it kind of allows you to have the grace to forgive yourself.